UFC 259 is this weekend and is sure to be action-packed with three title fights taking place in one night. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100 to 1 odds on either fighter to land a punch during the title fight. Pick either main event fighter to land a punch during this weekend's UFC 259 bout and DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds. Just bet $1 on either fighter to land a punch, and if that happens, you will cash $100. And don't worry, if MMA is not for you, DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, it offers odds on promotions and basketball, hockey, and so much more. Download the top-rated DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code WMVP when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if either main event fighter lands a punch on Saturday. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code WMVP to turn $1 into $100 if either fighter lands a punch. For a limited time, only with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Illinois only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details if you or someone you know has got a gambling problem. Crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Let us start the show. Great team defense. Did a good job. Kobe Bryant. He is hard to believe. Michael Jordan. Michael double teamed on the drive in for the left. Gets chased in the corner. Comes right back. Welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I'm Jonathan Hood. This edition of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast will hook you up with all the college basketball information that you need. From our staff here at ESPN 1000, Tyler Aki will be with us. We'll talk to Tyler. He's from the Made for March podcast. You can download the Made for March podcast Wherever you download your podcast, Tyler does a great job with his buddy Tim, breaking down everything in college basketball. So we will take care of you, the college basketball fan here, because the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast is about basketball. Could be pro, could be college. You never know what we're going to be talking about here. I'll tell you one thing. It was a very interesting weekend for college basketball. It's a number of upsets that took place. It always happens, but there was a little bit more than normal this past weekend. We'll talk about that as uh, we move forward here with Tyler. And it is just compelling to me how we look at the college basketball season because from what we could tell, more than likely there just won't be blue bloods. The typical Kentucky and Duke and you can throw Syracuse in there, Michigan State. And uh, there's teams that we are normally seeing late in the NCAA tournament that we may not see at all or might be one and done. Who knows? All I know is that we're going to talk a lot about Baylor, Gonzaga, and Michigan, about Illinois, Florida State, Iowa, Ohio State. 
Alabama, Arkansas, Houston, West Virginia. This will be a very compelling NCAA tournament for sure because the teams that we normally see, uh, more than likely, they just won't have that run. So uh, I think that that is going to be very interesting to watch. Let's turn to my guy Tyler Aki from our station here at ESPN 1000. And don't forget, for any basketball needs, you've come to the right place. Not just the Captain J Hood podcast feed, but also on Spotify. If you subscribe to the podcast, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. You subscribe on Spotify, you will never miss an episode. Give me an example. This past Saturday, I teamed with Will Perdue, the four-time NBA champion. He works for NBC Sports Chicago as an analyst for the Chicago Bulls. We did a show on SiriusXM Saturday night. You can hear a portion of that on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. It's right there on the Spotify feed. Check out. First time ever. I've known Will Perdue for over a decade, maybe 15 years. It's the first time we've ever done a show together. So you can hear what that sounds like on Spotify. And one programming note, on the 7th of March, which is the all-star game for the NBA, Will Perdue and I will host again together. We'll be on after the all-star game on Sunday night, breaking down not just the all-star game, but just talking about the second half of the NBA season. So uh, Will and I will be together again on the 7th of March. You're learning this for the first time. I haven't told anybody that. But we'll be on after the All-Star game. So if you want to watch, if you're a basketball fan, watch the All-Star game. Go to Sirius 207 XM86 and the Sirius XM app. And you can get a chance to listen to Will Purdue and I. And if you miss it, we will play a portion of it right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. All right, let's uh, call Tyler Aki and let's get his thoughts about the wonderful world of college basketball. It's March 1st as we tape this on Monday afternoon. You know, if it's March, it's March Madness. I cannot wait. As promised, Tyler Aki from Made for March, the podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Made for March, the podcast. He joins us right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Hello, Tyler. What's going on, Hoodie? How you doing? You know what's going on. It's March. We know what's going on. January, February, Izzo. (laughs) You know what's going to happen, right? It happens every year. Have you seen the last four in from Lenardi lately? It is Indiana, Duke, Michigan State. I don't know what the exact order is. They they flip-flop every single day. But that's what we're looking at right now. And it's interesting this year in particular because there are these supposed quote-unquote standby teams for the NCAA tournament. What that means is that if some team is to get knocked out because of COVID reasons and cannot participate in the tournament, they're going to go down the list and take from those next four teams and those are three of the prime contenders to potentially slide their way in through a sort of back door here to get into Indianapolis. Lenardi needs to stop. He's getting, <laughs> He's got friends of the program on standby. <laughs> That's all that is. Because you know what happens, right? It's a rite of passage when it comes to the NCAA tournament. How's Syracuse not in there? Seton Hall. How's Seton Hall not in there? It's it's Dick Vitale (laughs) stumping for one of his coaching friends. Can you imagine, and I'll ask you this, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, how will this fare without the Blue Bloods? This is the equivalent of the NBA playoffs with their Final Four 
of Indiana, Charlotte, Denver, and Utah if we don't get the, the Blue Bloods in here? How do you think that that will fare as far as interest without Duke, without Syracuse, without North Carolina, some of the other Blue Bloods? I think it'll still do all right. It obviously isn't going to be what it would be like if it were those teams or Kentucky or Michigan State, Indiana, all those. But we missed out on a tournament last year. And I think there's some merit to that. It's the whole... We missed out. This is one of the only sports that did not get to crown a champion from a season ago. And people are still sort of craving that one-and-done format of the tournament. So, yes, will it hurt a little bit? I think so. But I don't think it is as bad as everyone might make it out to be. My hot take is if Gonzaga can't get it done this year, you fire Mark Few. That's the end of that. Put that out there. That's red hot, isn't it? I don't even do hot takes. That was pretty red hot. That is a steamy one, although <laughs> I I don't think that would ever happen. No. I, I He's obviously built up. He's he's like Pop without the, the rings, right? Like, yeah. without Pop, the Spurs are, what, the Indiana Pacers probably right now? Fair, and, yeah. and what Few has done, he has put Gonzaga on the map. People think of Gonzaga as an athletic school because of the basketball program, and that's something that Mark Few has built much like what Bayheim did at Syracuse, and you see it across, especially in a lot of those old Big East schools. So, no, I, Few is, he's got a nice little cushy seat there. He's like the Pat Fitzgerald, if you will, of the West Coast. Yeah, without him, do, do they really have a name? And so I get that, absolutely. Could you tell me, Tyler, why has the Big Ten been so good this season? I think it's because they had a ton coming back. And I look at, look at all of the superstars in their league right now. Luca Garza, a guy who was a junior last year, could have maybe tested out the NBA waters, chose to come back. Io DeSumo, same thing. Could have tested those waters out, chose to come back. Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana, same thing. And you look at the teams that are struggling, they lost their stars from a year ago. Michigan State lost Cassius Winston. Maryland, they lost Jalen Smith. So it's a lot of the who came back. And the Big Ten had a lot of players coming back. And I think you look at the same thing with Baylor. Reason why they're so good, they had their stars coming back as well. So the Big Ten, they, they like to, to do battle every single night. You saw plenty of upsets from over this past week. But they had that star power returning to the conference, and I think that's a big reason why it got a huge boost in terms of everyone's strength of schedule and just the overall level of play. Find Tyler on Twitter at Made for March, Made the number four March, and don't make, don't forget to check out the podcast wherever you download your podcast. Look for Made for March, the podcast. What are the uh, Made for March podcast number one seeds today on March first as we tape this? So I think we've actually got three of them sealed up. Believe it or not, it's Gonzaga, no doubt in my mind. I think we've got Michigan sealed up, no doubt in my mind, especially after the week that they've had. And then you get into Baylor, even though they've struggled coming out of their COVID pause, I still think just on the overall body of work, you got to remember this, Hood. Going into this week, they had not won a game by fewer than eight points. Eight points. They were dominating. And I know a lot of people like to talk about the Big Ten as the best conference in college basketball. I would actually argue it is the Big 12. That is the best conference in college basketball right now. So they are doing that in what I believe is the best conference and on top of that, they've got that big win over Illinois by double digits earlier in the season. They've got some of those non-conference victories as well to boost their resumes. So I look at Baylor as a definite number one seed. And then right now in the moment, 
I think it's tough to take it away from Illinois. They slotted in as the four seed in, or the number four team in the country in the latest AP poll. So I would put it at Illinois right now, but that fourth spot is definitely flexible. There's probably four or five teams that are in the mix. I would not count out Alabama. I would not count out West Virginia. Iowa is certainly in play. So you never know. Is Villanova going to finish the season strong? Can Florida State go on and win the, the ACC? That fourth one spot is up for grabs. How deep do you go with the Big 12 Conference as far as teams that can make the tournament? Do you go as low as Texas Tech coming in at number 18? Yeah, so they've got seven teams that are very strong. Like, you look at the Big 10, they've got 10 to 12 teams that can get into the tournament, but a lot of those teams are going to get knocked out in that first weekend. I look at the Big 12 as when we get to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16, those are teams that can make some noise, especially when you look at Oklahoma State. They've got the star power with Cade Cunningham. I mean, he is must-watch TV for me every single night that he is on. He's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. He reminds me a lot of Ben Simmons. He's just one of those bigger guards who can take control of a game like that. And I look at the top seven in the Big 12. They're probably among the top 26 teams in the entire country. I look at the top seven from the Big 10. They probably slot in more towards the top 40 teams in the entire country. So if I was to ask you the Big 10 conference, how many do you believe they will get in? Do you believe it will be six? In terms of the, the tournament as a whole? Yes. I think it'll probably be close to double digits. Like 10, 11 teams will probably get in from the Big Ten. You've got a couple of stragglers. What's going to happen with Indiana? They're right on that bubble. Maryland's been a hot topic lately because they've played well, but they've been beating up on the Nebraskas, the Northwestern, some of these lower totem pole teams in the Big Ten. I want to see them try to finish strong and maybe pick up a couple of big wins in the Big Ten tournament. That, to me, is going to determine whether or not they are a bona fide tournament team. And then you get into Michigan State. What's going to happen there? So I think it's going to be double digits when it's all said and done, but I don't know how many are going to make it out of that first weekend. I see what you're saying. You're saying that the Big 12 has more quality. Yes. And the Big Absolutely. 10 may have more Because you got to remember, Big Ten probably has more teams that are going to get into the tournament than the Big 12 has in their entire conference. And... It, the bottom of both of those conferences is putrid. When you look at the Nebraskas, no Northwesterns, TCUs, Iowa States, Kansas States, I mean, those teams are the bottom of the bottom, not just in their conferences, but really in the Power Five. But the top of the top in both of those conferences is super, super good as well. I just see the, the top seven in the Big 12 being much better than the top seven in the Big 10. So the Made for March podcast is telling us that more than likely, tell me if I'm wrong, as you mentioned, Michigan's already in. There's no question about that. Right. Mm -hmm. Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Maryland, Rutgers. Rutgers is in, yes. And then the bubble teams are Michigan State, Indiana, Minnesota. Yes. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right to me. Okay. All right, and you're right. the The bottom of the barrel is, you know, Hoiberg's Nebraska, <laughs> Northwestern, the tryhard Nebraska, uh, yep. Northwestern team, and then Penn State. Okay, well, Penn, play... don't sleep on Penn State either. They're a team that could sneak their way in. They're a very good offensive rebounding team. So if they get the right matchups in the Big Ten tournament, they could make a little bit of a run there and get their way in as well. Uh, Tyler Vital with us here on the Under the Hood basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Get them all in! <laughs> High Point Panthers, why not? Um, let's play Blind Resume. All right. You ready? Yes. 
One player has 24.3 points a game, 8.4 rebounds, shooting 55%, shooting 45% from three. The other player has 21 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 48% shooting, shooting 40% from three. Which player do you like? I like player two because I know that's Io DeSumo. And player one is Luca Garza. <laughs> this is the National Player of the Year conversation. And yes, I know that people love the Luca Garza story. He came back. But look at the way... I, I think about it from a football lens here, all right? Io DeSumo has had the quote-unquote Heisman moments to his season this year. Correct. Luca really has not. And part of it is because he is a reason why they are so dominant. They haven't needed to necessarily close out some of those games. But also, when they get Luka Garza, opponents can get him into foul trouble in the early going. And I was going to have a bit of an uphill battle here without their backup center and Jack Nungy for the rest of the season. Just tore his meniscus this past week. So Luka's going to get in foul trouble at certain points. We saw it against Illinois. And those teams do a great job of exploiting Iowa while he's off the floor. I'll also give you this, too. A big reason why I have a tough time seeing Luka as the player of the year. Now, Io missing time is obviously going to play a factor in this, but he can make it up in the Big Ten tournament if Illinois goes out and wins it. But the biggest knock on Iowa as a team this season is their defense. Luka Garza is a big reason why they struggle defensively. He, it's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of the whole Marvin Bagley situation at Duke. They were so bad defensively that Coach K had to get into a zone. And it got so embarrassing to watch at points, they were slapping the floor in that zone. But I look at Iowa, and they don't have the defensive talent that Illinois has. Illinois has a lot more defensive talent, and Iowa's a very good defender in his own right, too. He contributes on both ends of the floor. He rebounds very well for a guard. He facilitates. He's got those triple doubles this year. He's got those big-time shots to close out games. I mean, his final shot at the State Farm Center is going to be a game winner. This is a guy who's a junior, and he's being given the senior send-off by the entire Illinois program. It's actually kind of astonishing to me. He got his jersey framed. He got to kiss the eye in the final game of the yeah. season. I mean... He's a junior that's being treated like a senior. And to me, I look at Io having the big moments for his team, a big reason why they're so successful on both ends of the floor, and that's why he's my player of the year. Maybe this injury is going to hurt him down the stretch. I don't think he's going to play until the Big Ten tournament starts. So we'll see how that impacts it all. But for right, right now, what I have seen so far this season, I've got Io. I was told that Io probably will not play until the NCAA tournament. Wow. Now again, we'll, again, he's young, younger than us, so his, you know, his ability to recover is. He's quicker. got the mask too. I mean, yeah. everyone loves the the little nuances too of the tournament and, and these player of the year races. Wouldn't the mask kind of make that mystique of Io in the player of the year race? I, I feel like something. There's something there that that masked man during this season. I, I feel like that's something that. The, the writers would get up in arms about and really love. Bro, let me tell you something. If Io plays with that mask, it still gives you like 20 a night or whatever. He's top 10 in the draft just because of the mask. <laughs> yeah. Because <I> <laughs> he's a guy right now who's kind of that fringe first-round pick. Yeah. But he's also a guy who, if Illinois makes an impressive run, gets to the Elite Eight Final Four, he can see himself going from being pick 27 to maybe pick number 7 in a loaded draft. 
wow, look, it's, it's Jean Morant. Just yeah. like that. What happened? Exactly. Yeah. I was Iho Desumu, now I'm Jean Morant. Yeah. I heard that, uh, one other Illinois note, I heard that Kofi Coburn more than likely will return. Interesting. You see, it's, it's, it's tough because I've seen this on the G League level, right? It's like a Kofi can do a number of things. If you can't step out, just like a Garza, right? If you can't right. step out and knock down a three on a regular basis, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the up and under is good. The ability to be able to score from the foul line down is great, Tyler. It's like you want to see more versatility in the big guy. And I think, I mean, that can still happen. But I, I was told that there's a possibility he could return. I don't know what else he could do on the college level, though. That's my question. Exactly. Like if he comes back next year, he is a legitimate candidate if he gets the proper minutes where he could average, like, 22 and 17. Like, his numbers will be absurd. And if he goes to the G League, the same thing's going to happen. He's going to put up these unbelievable stat lines. And it's just kind of finding that middle. Can he do it at the next level? And I think a lot of it's going to come down to his footwork. How is he... You bring up the fact that he's not someone who can step out and and score the ball for you. Well, how is he going to do it against a big that can? Like, what happens when... Whatever team he lands with plays the Warriors, and James Wiseman is stepping out to take some of those shots. Yeah. He can't defend that right now. And that's something that I think he's going to need a lot of work on. Not just, and it's not a short-term fix for him. Tyler, how wide is the gulf? I'll tell you what Seth Davis wrote. Complete a-hole to me, by the way, at a Final <laughs> Four a few years ago. He was. He's just like, you know, he's one of these guys. Seth goes around at the, um, you know, goes around to all the radio stations, you know, and... He sits down with me and he's just like, oh. like his, his eighth station he's talking to try to sell Colgate or whatever he was trying to sell. <laughs> I don't have no idea, but he's on Radio Row and he just plops down in front of the, the seat and he sees Chicago on the little placard. Oh, Chicago. Oh, real college basketball town. I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, why? What's the point of that? Well, you can blame Bill Carmody for that. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> Northwestern's the best. They are. So here's what he wrote as far as Tier 1 and Tier 2 uh, programs. Seth Davis from TheAthletic.com and CBS says his Tier 1 teams are Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, teams that we've already discussed here. His Tier 2 is Florida State, Illinois, Iowa, and Ohio State. How wide is the gulf between the top and the Tier 2 that he listed here? I think it's pretty steep. And the big reason why is defense. Those first three teams in Tier 1 are all superb defensive teams. Now, there are some pretty good defensive teams listed off in Tier 2. I think Florida State's a very good defensive team. I think Ohio State's a very good defensive team. But you can poke little holes at any one of those teams. Like, I look at Iowa. Obviously, their major flaw is defense, albeit it has gotten a lot better lately. I look at Florida State. They have a ton of depth. But what are they going to do offensively if they have to get in a shootout with a team like Baylor or Gonzaga? I don't know if I like the Seminoles' chances that much. And then you look at Illinois. What happens if Io isn't quite right after this, this broken nose that he sustained? So there's little holes that you can pick in all of those second-tier teams. Those first-tier teams are as strong as we have seen in college basketball in recent memory. I mean, if you look at some of the, the Ken Palm metrics in terms of efficiency— those three teams are three of the best we have ever seen in the Ken Palm era. So it's a very strong group at the top, and I do think that is a pretty sizable gulf between Tier 1 and Tier 2 as Seth laid out. 
couple other things I want to ask you about Loyola and their run in the Valley. The question was, and it really permeated throughout the season, was would we see a two-bid team out of the Valley, meaning two, uh, right. Drake and Loyola? How likely is that now? And also, the other question about that is this Loyola's run with Porter Moser. How much does that impress you? Porter Moser's been fantastic. And, I, and we talked about, we joked about uh, Chicago as a college basketball city, but Loyola has not just... I mean, they don't just have the run on their resume, that Final Four run from a couple years ago. That, that's not what Loyola basketball is anymore. They are a bona fide good team now. I mean, they're a top 25 team, although I will say in terms of the Valley getting two bids, they would need Drake probably to win the Valley so that they get the auto bid because Loyola's getting in no matter what right now. So if Drake wins the Valley against Loyola in the championship game, then I think the Valley's a two-bid league. If not, then they're praying a lot of things go right, and we know Drake doesn't have the cachet that, say, an Indiana or a Michigan State or a Duke or any of those sort of fringy bubble teams might have to get in. And lastly, I want winners. Uh, so we got some good matchups. Of course, it's always quality college basketball every week, Tyler. So I'll ask you first what about Baylor and West Virginia. How do you see that? Baylor has not looked right since they came out of their pause. They were a team that was shooting over 40% from three. They were leading the entire country. And in their past two games, they're shooting 27% from three. We've seen these teams that come out of these COVID pause. They usually look very sound if they're a defensive-minded team. And Baylor's a defensive-minded team, but they had so many cases within that program that everything defensively for them looks a step slow right now. So I'm hesitant to pick Baylor, especially against the number six team in the country, West Virginia. They've been one of the best teams through February. So I would lean with West Virginia, actually. They might hand Baylor their second loss of the season. It's a Tuesday game. Uh, four four o'clock. Yeah, four o'clock. I saw that odd. earlier. <laughs> so, well, they, they've had three matchups postponed or canceled between yeah. the those two. They have not played this year yet. So that's why it's interesting to bet, right? Because it's like, hmm, who's going to be the sleepy team? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, man, I'm all, I'm always already in the bed at four o'clock, man. I don't, <laughs> I'm getting my nap before the game. Four o'clock. So this is in the nap. This is in the nap window for yep. some teams here. Watch it now. Watch that game very closely. Uh, Creighton against Villanova. That is going to be Wednesday at at seven thirty. What the f happened to Villanova? Two for twenty seven from three against Butler. What the? It's that so, Hinkle magic hood. <laughs> I don't want to hear that Hinkle magic. What? What the tournament the, site? Some two team for is twenty seven. Some team is going to cling to the Hinkle magic, and it's not going to be the Butler Bulldogs in the tournament. Some team's going to cling to it because it's a tournament site this year. The world was that two for twenty seven for Villanova. They'll take on Creighton, and lastly, of course, the main event: Illinois against uh, Michigan on Tuesday. Oh, man, if this game, if I.O. was healthy, I this would be something, man. Oh. And, and I would love, I know you said it doesn't look like I.O. might play until the NCAA tournament, but I'm hoping that we can get a Michigan and Illinois battle for that Big Ten championship because Illinois might need that to get that number one overall seed. So right now when I look at this matchup, I like Michigan. I've been a big fan of Illinois all season long, but... We've seen Hunter Dickinson, the freshman center at Michigan, put together a fantastic season. He's going to be an all-Big Ten first-teamer. He's going to be the Big Ten freshman of the year. He's going to be an All-American. 
he has neutralized a lot of these very talented bigs in the conference. I look at what he did against Trace Jackson Davis, against Luca Garza, against EJ Liddell from, from Michigan, or from uh, Ohio State, rather. He has put together some very impressive body of works against these really good teams, both offensively and defensively. So I like Michigan. I think Hunter Dickinson, he might be able to get Kofi in foul trouble early on, and without Kofi and without Io, that's going to be a very steep hill for Illinois. Very chippy. Illinois comes in there with a chip on their shoulder almost every game. There's always a skirmish with them. They really take yeah. on the... I mean, that Michigan State game, very physical. Yeah, just... Man, they, they, Illinois, they, they, they like it, man. They like the battle in there. If Kofi's taken out of the equation, I can see Michigan just being able to roll. And that's not what I... I don't care who wins that game, but I'm, I would just love to see a uh, competitive game if possible there. It's not going to tell me a whole heck of a lot about Michigan. It'll tell me more about Illinois. And Illinois is 2-0 since Io got hit in the face against Michigan State and has not played since. So I think that Brad Underwood has done a pretty good job of getting that next group ready. Like Andre Curbelo came in and even after... Io DeSumo went out. Curbelo almost put together a triple-double, albeit against Nebraska. But still, if, if you you have another guy on your team who's capable of getting you a triple-double, that's impressive, especially at the college level. When's the next Made for March podcast drop? It'll be dropping tomorrow. We're going to be talking about all of the weekend of craziness. Uh, we saw 15 of the 19 top teams go down last week. So who's got the staying power? Who's getting a little too hot right now? right before the conference tournaments and before the tournaments that may be due for a little slippage once the bracket releases. And also some thoughts from Jalen Johnson, I'm sure. You'll have more <laughs> thoughts as you had in the last episode. You can and catch Big Monday for that. Yeah, <laughs> I was just wondering. I'm sure that you'll have something. Is there a dockage uh, a portion of your podcast? Will you break down a Dan dockage on Twitter? No comment. Oh, come on! <laughs> We're college basketball guys. That's part of that's part no, of the yeah. mix. I mean, you know what resurfaced into my my Twitter timeline the other day <laughs> was his back and forth with Jeff Goodman. I saw back that. in the Miles Bridges era when he his big claim was that Miles Bridges had no game. And how someone with eight who's averaging eighteen and seven has no game to me, I don't get how you can stake your your flag on that hill for for so long. But he did. He did for quite some time, and it certainly has paid out for, for Bridges. Um, but And then, of course, Goodman retaliates with the, well, what do you call 1.1 points and one rebound? And he goes, what's that? Oh, just your sophomore year stats. Um, so I, I love that from Goodman. He, he, he got him pretty good. But, uh, no, uh, I mean, the X tired at this point. It really is. Tyler Aki from our... Station ESPN 1000, Made for March podcaster. Great to have Tyler on the podcast, as always. We'll have him on again as we get closer to the NCAA tournament brackets being revealed right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. All right, next time we'll review the NBA first half. Interesting schedule for the NBA. I thought they were trying to get away from back-to-backs and trying to give players rest. Oh, it's back to the old normal schedule almost in the second half. We'll talk about that. Lloyd Pierce fired after two-plus years with the Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about that. That's a little bit of an eye-opener there because the All-Star game is going to be playing Atlanta. I'm sure that's going to be a talking point that Pierce is a leader for that team. 
is now gone. Will Nate McMillan take that job with Atlanta as an assistant moving over 18 inches to the head coaching chair again? We'll talk about that. What's going on with the Chicago Bulls? The Bulls uh, are right around that 500 mark. They're good, trying to get better. So we'll talk about that, all the NBA news and notes that you need coming up in our next episode of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. And don't forget, my friends, share this. Share this podcast. Let people know that Jonathan Hood talks basketball. Basketball is hood. Right here on Spotify and also on ESPN Chicago's app on the Kappa J Hood feed, wherever you get this podcast. Thanks so much for downloading it, and I will talk to you next time. Subscribe, that way you never miss an episode of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook.